Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Thursday, October 28th, 2021. Have you ever heard of somebody or maybe dreamed about yourself receiving an unexpected inheritance? Great Uncle Joe at some point in his life, everybody lost track of him, but he migrated to Australia and discovered oil and became an oil baron and nobody knew about this, but now he's dead and he didn't have any kids. And so, woo, here's unexpected riches that you receive. What is it really that you would want to receive as an inheritance. And even in the olden days, often an inheritance, you would think about land or even titles, even being a king or having a kingdom as an inheritance uh, or your heritage, so to speak. But today, God's word is going to remind us all of really the inheritance that we should desire. And we're going to see that as we look at Psalm 119, verses 105 to 112. And the verse that caught my attention the most reading through it this year was verse 111, which says this, Your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. So your testimonies, really referring to God's word, his law, his ways, right? All the things that God says, that is the inheritance that he wants. That is his heritage forever. For the psalmist, it's not about unexpected money. It's not about lands or titles or kingdoms. It is about God's word. And as he often does, especially in the Psalms, I think it's harder to put it better than Charles Spurgeon did when he says, what does the psalmist want as his inheritance? The testimonies of the Lord to know the doctrine, to enjoy the promise, to practice the command, be this a kingdom large enough for me. Let me just read that again. And just to think about what does it mean to really want the the testimonies of the Lord? It says, what does the psalmist want as his inheritance? The testimonies of the Lord. And then he breaks it down into those three things, to know the doctrine, to enjoy the promise, to practice the command. Be this a kingdom large enough for me. Is that really what your heart is set on? The word of God, to know the truth of it. And obviously at the center of the truth of God's word, we're going to have God, his character, the gospel, to enjoy the promise the promise of the gospel, all the promises of God that we see in the scripture, his faithfulness, his steadfast love, all of these things, and to practice the command, which as we see throughout, um, especially Psalm 119, God's commands and keeping God's commands leads to to good things. Uh, Not so much, you know, that it scores us spiritual points or earns us favor with God, but God has designed his commandments for our good. In keeping them, as Psalm 19 says, there is great reward. And so to know the doctrine, to enjoy the promise, to practice the command, be this a kingdom large enough for me. Is that a kingdom large enough for you? Are you hoping just for what you can get out of this world? Are you hoping for some kind of earthly kingdom? I doubt um, most of you even fantasize about being a king or a 
queen or a princess anymore, at least maybe as a child, but that's not a reality. But do you, in some ways, becoming the king or queen of your own kingdom, whether that's just your home or your business or whatever it may be, uh, but is your, your most important desire, your true inheritance, your true heritage, is it really the testimonies of the Lord? And there is no greater treasure that we have than the word of the Lord. And we're reminded of some of the reasons why um, this is such a treasure. We're probably all familiar, especially if you've grown up in the church. Uh, there's a song that comes to your mind when you hear verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And that's where we're reminded just of the guidance that we do receive from God's word. Life in this world is difficult. It can be confusing. It can be tricky. But when the path seems dark, uh, what do we lean on? We lean on God's word. It's a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path, right? If you're camping and you go out on that walk at night, you're going to make sure you have that headlamp or that flashlight so you can see where you're going and you can make sure where you're stepping. And, and that's what God's word is meant to be to us. Uh, you also see just the comfort that we find in God's word in verse 107, where it says, I am severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. And even just as we think through that, if you're going through severe affliction today, look to God and look to his word for life. I don't understand how people survive uh, without God's word and looking every day for hope to God's word and leaning on the Lord in prayer. This is what God has given us even to sustain us. So may we celebrate and value the heritage, the inheritance that we have in the word of God. Now, unfortunately, we have a very kind of negative opposite example to this as we look at Jeremiah today, Jeremiah 35 and 36. And each of these chapters tells a different story. Um, and even those stories are very opposite. Verse or chapter 35 is more positive. It talks about this group called the Rechabites. And these were kind of from one family. And their father had given them a command to not to basically not drink wine and to not build a house. Uh, they would kind of be nomads and avoid a wine and all of that. And they kept their father's commandment. Um, and now that's not stuff that is commanded in scripture, um, all, all the things that they did, but it was something that their father had passed on to them and they, they did it. And Jeremiah ends up praising them for that and kind of using them as an example. Man, if these guys can obey their father, the nation, how is it that you have disobeyed God? And he, um, tells them that because they have obeyed the commands of their father, uh, God basically is going to, to bless them, that there will never be, that this man, Jonadab, the son of Rechab, will never lack a man to stand before me, right? Their, even their loyalty to their father showed a loyalty to God, it seems, um, where the nation was not showing that loyalty. And then in chapter 36, you see this real opposite example to how we should treasure God's word. We see the king uh, literally destroying God's word. As Jeremiah receives a word from the Lord and dictates it to his his assistant, Baruch, who then kind of gives it to some people on the inside of the palace who they are dismayed at the word of the Lord that is coming. But when it is read in the presence of the king, every few lines, he will cut that off and he will throw it into the fire. And we see 
uh, just the negative consequences that that's going to have for him and the punishment that is pronounced on him. And so may we be reminded today of the blessing that comes from seeing God's word as our inheritance, but also the danger that comes um, from ignoring God's word or rejecting God's word. And may that help us chart our course for today. Next, we're going to see some commands uh, and some things in God's word that can be difficult for us to listen to. And basically in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 25, we are reminded just of our responsibility as Christians to be subject to authorities in our lives. And it mainly talks here about somewhat political authorities, kind of governmental authorities, but then also more marketplace um, authorities here, servants and masters. But I think a lot of this would apply to us, even as we think about um, employers that we might have today. And it tells us both times to be subject. First, in verse 13, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. So there we are reminded to submit to our authorities, uh, kind of in the arena of the world and of government. And then next in verse 18, we are told servants be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing when mindful of God, one endures sorrow while suffering unjustly. And so there it even in the marketplace section of this talks about even enduring treatment that is not the best. And I think these things are good things for us to think about and listen to, right? Obviously, in our time, even when we think about the marketplace, there's not a slave-master relationship. You uh, can leave your place of employment. You have options that they might not have had here. We also have a representative form of government, and how to steward that is something Christians should consider. But we do need to beware impulses in our heart that it's part of our fallen flesh that we don't really want to be subject to anyone. And so it's good for us to read and to heed the warning of these verses that God has told me to be subject to my governing authorities, um, to be subject to uh, my master. And in our society, when there's difficulties in either of those arenas, there might be some things biblically that we can do about that. But our heart is always meant to be one of uh, submission. And we're reminded, even as Peter was, our ultimate submission is to God and we will never compromise uh, what God tells us to do. Um, but there's a lot here even uh, just that should challenge us as we think through living in this world. Think of verse 23. It says, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. And that's talking about the example of Christ. And he's the one used as an example here. And that's good for us to remember that whether it's in the marketplace or whether it's in the arena of government and politics, one option that is never on the table for Christians is to return evil for evil or to revile somebody in return or to threaten someone that these are not things that we should do in either of those 
scenarios. And that's because we're, we're following the pattern of, of Christ. And even here, you must think that some of what he's talking about even is persecution. And so in the face of persecution, especially, uh, no, they, they did not revile in return, um, but we're reminded of the words of Christ to pray for those who persecute us, to love our enemies, and really that that's the example of Christ. So hopefully we can process these passages today and check our own hearts to see, God, is there any way that I'm reviling people in return or threatening or returning evil for evil in ways that I should not? And with you as my ultimate authority, am I handling the authority in this world in a way that would honor you, my ultimate authority? Finally, we're going to go to John chapter 6, verses 1 through 15, and look at the miracle that is mentioned in all four Gospels, the feeding of the 5,000. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are more similar. They're referred to often as the synoptic Gospels, Uh, but John is the most different of the Gospels, but he includes this miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. Now he's going to give us more. He's going to give us a whole sermon that Jesus preaches the next day, kind of in response to all of this. But today we're just reading about the miracle itself. And the verse that always sticks out to me me the most is that when Jesus sees the crowd in verse five, he asks Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? And then verse six, he said this to test him for he himself knew what he would do. And just to think through our own lives, when we are wondering where, how, where or how God is going to provide, God already knows what he is going to do. And we must show trust in him and in his plan, even though, and even when we might not understand what that is or how it's going to work out. And I hope that example in John 6 helps you today and just reminds you, oh, I can trust God. And there we see again, part of the promise of God's word and the treasure of uh, God's testimonies. And hopefully we view that as a beautiful inheritance, indeed a kingdom large enough for me. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.